Welcome. Welcome, welcome to Awakening Church. My name's Ryan. We're absolutely thrilled to have you. We're in a series called Entrusted. Uh, This fall, if you've been journeying with us, we've been teaching out of the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is an incredibly practical book. I encourage you, encourage you, if you haven't already, dive into it. It's all about wisdom, how to live life well in God's universe. And we're talking in this series about wisdom in regards to our finances. And if you missed last week, it laid the foundation. We're going to do a little review, but it laid the foundation. Go to awakeningchurch.com. Please, please, please listen to it. But here's what we said last week. You know, wrestled with this question. How do you truly experience financial peace? Uh, Rest. Completeness. The Hebrew word shalom. Like, how do you truly experience financial peace and freedom? And here's what we said. We said it requires the shift in perspective from entitlement, and that's not a millennial thing, that's an American thing, from entitlement to being entrusted. That that is God's game plan and God's pathway for us to experience um, financial peace, is when we begin to look at life through the lens of being entrusted, that all that we have, we are stewards, not owners, and so it's thine, not mine, and we, we begin to live life peacefully because we realize it's all his to begin with. Now, I had a little illustration. I just was curious. Last week, I gave 10 of my own hard-earned dollars away, and so I just was curious. I, I don't know if anybody's here. I, I gave it to you. Yeah. Will you stand up and just tell me what you, what you did with it? You don't, you don't have to come all the way up. I just wanted to know. Uh, <laughs> um, I uh, ended up giving it as an extra $10 tip on top of what I would have normally given. So you didn't give it back to the church. No. You didn't tie it. No. <laughs> I'm just uh, that's very cool. That's amazing. You know, he had an extra $10. It wasn't his $10 to begin with. And what's really neat is then you bless a server. You're at a restaurant and gave that as an extra $10 to you. Now, the only part of it for me is I really would have, I know it wasn't a whole lot of money. I think that was awesome. Really would have loved for you to get to enjoy uh, a little bit out of that because... You got a meal out of it. There you go. There you go. So how do you truly experience financial peace? It's this shift, this move from entitlement to entrustment. God's antidote for entitlement, by the way, is this principle of first fruits. God's antidote for entitlement is the principle of first fruits. This first fruits is pathway for us to really live into being entrusted. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth. I gave some specific instructions with that, those $10. It would have been dishonoring to me to use those $10 in a way outside of the I had instructed. And you honored me well. Thank you very much. If we are entrusted, honor God with our wealth. It's all his to begin with. With the first fruits of our crops. This is talking about specifically the tithe. Taking the first 10% of what we were given and give it back to him. Reminding ourselves that all that we have are, is his. Tithe simply trains our heart to trust God. Now, let me give the disclaimer that I gave last week. Because when a preacher, and I don't ever think of myself as a preacher, I don't even know why I said that, but when when pastors begin to talk on money, everybody can tend to get a little squirmish. Here's the deal. 
One, if you're brand new to church, when did we take offering? Before, and we're going to have a special one after. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (coughs) We took it before, okay? Real intentional. If there's any hint, any distrust, any part of you that goes, I don't know about that or I'm new, do not give here. But listen to last week's sermon because the benefits and what it does for your own life is so powerful. Give somewhere, okay? Uh, but honor the Lord with your first fruits. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. You'll experience the very blessing of God. We said it this way. Give God the first and best, and he will bless the rest. And we gave these three ideas. Reverse the order. Um, reverse the order. Spend less than you make, and then make a plan. Reverse the order. Spend less than you make, and then make a plan. Now, this is the outline for our entire series. Last week we talked about reverse the order. Give first, save second, live on the rest. Give first, and I had a little stewardship challenge. In fact, I hope many of you went away this week and prayed and thought about it because I asked you not to fill it out right away, but to come back ready. These should be in your bulletin stuffed. And here's the stewardship challenge. Give God first. Many people have never trusted God with their finances and said, I'm going to give to you first the first 10%. And I believe, you know, that God's faithful and he will fulfill his promises. And his promise is he'll take care of you. And so here's the stewardship challenge, is that if you take this challenge, we believe in it so much, and you fill this out, read it through, drop it in the offering box on the way out, or hand it to the connection table, for the next 90 days, you give first, and you do not experience the blessing of God in your life, we'll refund you your money, okay? That's how much we believe in it. That's how big of a deal it is. This is the only area in the Bible where God invites us to test him, and it trains our heart to trust him. Reverse the order. This morning, we're going to talk about spend less than you make. And next week, we'll talk about making a plan, real practical, how do you do a budget, all of those sort of things. This morning, spend less than you make. You're going to, if you spend less than you make, you're going to have money in the bank. So what do you do with it? What do you do with it? And I want to talk about real specifically, how do you build wealth that leaves a legacy? How do you build wealth that leaves a lasting legacy? Since you cannot take what you make, what legacy will you leave behind? Now, if you're 20, you're going, legacy? What? 60, by the way, this is really amazing. Over 60% of our church is single which is awesome. We started a church to awaken this generation to new life. And over 60%, a little over 60% of our church is between the ages of 18 and 30. So the minute I start talking about legacy, please don't check out singles. Don't check out 20-year-olds. This is for you. And the sooner and the earlier you get it, the better you will be in the long run. And listen, uh, and anyone who's my age, knocking knocking on 40 and and above, can you just let them know how important this is? Maybe just with a grunt of regret of like, (laughs) right? Because this is such a big deal. This is a big, big deal. And by the way, our culture pulls you to live in the present and not steward for the future. 
How do you build a wealth that leaves a lasting legacy? Everyone, everyone, whether you're married or not, will leave something. It's just a matter of what and to whom. Okay, so to do that, we're going to talk about three big ideas. First is we got to first address the toxic beliefs we buy in that keep us stuck in our present pattern. Second is we're going to take a look. Uh, we have to take a long-term view of our finance. It's not just about now. And I'm sorry, when we're talking about legacy, this is why this is so important. It's not just about you. That's going to be hard. I get it. But, but we'll get there. And then we're going to get real practical, how, four practices or strategic practices to build wealth to leave a legacy. That's the outline this morning. You ready to go? All right, here we go. How do you build wealth that leaves a legacy? Three toxic beliefs that we buy into that keep us stuck. The first one, and this is prevalent in the church, is money is evil. Money is bad. In fact, there's an often misquoted verse, money is the root of all evil. That's not the verse. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And so there's this warning sign that we can be in love with stuff. There's this warning sign that it can be consuming and it can become an idol or all our entire energy and passion go after, and it can do incredible harm, but money is amoral. It's not good or bad. It's how you use and approach money that makes the difference. God doesn't care that you have stuff. God cares whether or not stuff has you. Money is not evil. In fact, this happens in the church, and we begin to look down upon uh, sometimes wealthy Christians. Well, they probably didn't get it the right way, or they're, they're not tithing. I tithe. Did you know Awakening Church would not exist without wealthy believers who are extremely generous? Period. Did you know the New Testament documents that we hold, we would not have without wealthy, generous Christians who gave so that we could have the written word. Money is evil, first toxic belief. Second toxic belief, money equals blessing. This is the prosperity gospel. God wants to make you rich. If you don't have money, you are not blessed. Lie. Lie. But we look around and wonder, and you know what? What am I doing wrong? And maybe I'm not blessed. Tell you what, there's plenty of people that have way too much money. And that money has them and has caused all sorts of pain in their life. And we, we tend to equate it with somehow having money means that I'm blessed. Now, certainly... Man, when you are a generous person, God realizes you're a river and you're not a dam, and so I can trust more to give more through you. I I tell my kids this a lot. God gives us a lot so that we can give a lot. Like, why does God give us a lot? And I tell our kids that we're, we're blessed, we're rich. By the way, every single person by the world standard is rich. 
You just don't feel it because there's other people who have more than you. But when you compare to the globe, you're in the top three percentile. Hashtag blessed. By the way, money doesn't make you blessed. Having Jesus makes you blessed. Money is evil, lie, or toxic belief, number one. Money equals blessing, toxic belief, number two. Toxic belief, number three. Money brings happiness. And this is the most prevalent in our culture and here in the Silicon Valley. And it goes something like this. If only I had more, then I'd be happy. Now, we have very sophisticated Christians that would never say this out loud because we know it's the wrong answer, and yet our behavior shows something completely different, doesn't it? And look around and wonder, why don't I drive that? Why can't I wear that? I want this house and this look, and we use all that we have to impress others. God doesn't give you more to raise your standard of living, but to raise your standard of giving. First, how do you build wealth that leaves a legacy? Uh, You really have to address the toxic beliefs. Because these are the things that keep us stuck in, in our world and keep us having the same behavior that's producing the same results. By the way, that's the definition of insanity, right? Of doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. And that's where we're at in our financial world. And you're wondering, why isn't anything changing? Wishing it doesn't make it work. You have to change your behavior. So let's take a long-term view of our finances, this idea of inheritance. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good person, say good with me, good, leaves what? An inheritance. Notice, singles. Didn't say a married person. Leaves an inheritance for their children's children. Well, they had children, and their children had children. I gotcha, but let's just stay with the front end because you're going to leave something. Whether you ever get married or not, whether you ever have kids or not, you cannot take what you make. You will leave it to someone else for something else, and you get to decide the legacy you live. All of us do. And it starts today. Today, how we leverage what we have determines what we leave and the legacy we leave tomorrow. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. We have to take first a long-term view of our finances. It's not just about now. It's not about immediate gratification, and it's not just about me. Could it be that God has placed you in the Silicon Valley? That God has placed you in America? Could it be that God has given you your intellectual acuity, your energy, your effort, your time to be a blessing for those around you, not just in this lifetime, but for years to come? Wouldn't it be amazing? Just imagine. 
Wouldn't it be amazing if your life just wasn't a blip on the radar, that you live for the present, but the way you stewarded your life over these few short years that were on this planet left a lasting legacy that brought blessing and life and the gospel to thousands and thousands of people. You can do that. And I can do that. But it starts today. And so let me give you just some real practical, strategic practices to do that. Practical step number one. You ready for this? And this is going to be painful. You ready? Come on. Come on. All right. All right. I, 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 need, I needed like fake energy for, for this first point. Mm. 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 So good. So good. Yeah, we just pretended like I said something profound right there, right? And then, all right. How do you build wealth that leaves a legacy? First, you have to get out of debt. Groan. <laughs> oh. Get out of debt. Get out of credit card debt. Get out of student loans. Get out of your car payment. And work your way. It's not destructive debt, but work your way out of your mortgage now, I, I put this first part, Proverbs 22, 6 and 7, uh, because this is incredibly important. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not turn from it. Verse 7, this is really the point of the verse. I think God, in his sovereignty, put these two next to each other. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Okay, let's just start here with the parents in the room. Parents. It is not the school system. It is not church's responsibility to teach your kids how to steward their resources, to help them move from an entitlement, which you, we all know every kid on the planet begins entitled because their first real word isn't mommy but mine. <laughs> right? And it is our role as parents to help Teach, and this is the word, train up a child in the way they should go. To help train them. It's not somebody else's job. And by the way, we got a group of millennials that are talking about adulting and struggling with these decisions because no one taught them. And so we get to change the narrative starting today with your family, and that's part of the legacy you leave. Okay, When we're talking about give first, save second, live on the rest, that's the first thing you should be teaching your kids. When they get money, talk about that, work through that. When they get a little bit older, and we've just recently done this with all my kids, they have bank accounts. One of my kids at, <laughs> one of my kids at Thanksgiving, not Thanksgiving, that's, uh, Halloween, sometimes it's like Thanksgiving because you get all the candy, but... Uh, <laughs> But at Halloween, literally gave someone $5 for, like, candy. $5 for some piece of junk candy. Well, I'll tell you what, that was a training moment in the Ingram household. Because I want him to learn to steward his money wisely. And I said, I, he's a smart kid too, by the way. I said, dude, 
you could have got like bags and bags of candy for $5 and you bought like a handful of candy. And he's, he's like, he's smart, he's smart. He said, yeah, but dad, you wouldn't let me buy bags and bags of candy. <laughs> Train your children in the way they should go. Now here's the critical part. The rich rule over the poor. It's common statement, observation about life. The borrower is slave to the lender. Listen to this. Your credit card does not bring you freedom. It brings enslavement. It doesn't. At 12 to 18% or 18 to 20% you're paying back, you are enslaved. Did you know 60% of people do not pay off their credit card? Did you know 80% of graduating seniors have credit card debt? That when you spend with a credit card, you spend 12 to 18% more with a credit card than when you do with cash. Did you know that 69% of all bankruptcies in America uh, say that credit card is the cause? Did you know that 19% of college students file for bankruptcy? Yeah, this is a problem. The first step to stewarding your money wisely, to building wealth that leaves a lasting legacy, get out of debt. Well, how are we going to do that? I'm glad you asked. Thanks for asking. Make getting out of debt your number one priority. Make getting out of debt your number one priority. I, you have to go, this is a big deal. This, I don't want to be a slave anymore. I don't want to be at the beckon of someone else that I'm living under this pressure and this weight and living from month to month. You make getting out of debt your number one priority. Second, cut all non-essential spending. That's hard. Let me talk about non-essential spending real quick. It's all the things that are not essential <laughs> to living, breathing. Well, what about my Netflix account? Yeah, non-essential. Stranger things have happened. I've been working on that one all week. I was hoping, I was hoping you're going to like it. I was, I was hoping. Eating out. Coffee. I'm talking about coffee out. I'm, no one can cut coffee completely. That's essential. For some, even getting rid of your car or downgrading. The average college student, by the way, pays 5000 more to live off campus. Student loans, more often than not, were needed not just to uh, get a degree, but to look good while doing it. Cut all non-essential spending. Cut it. Just go, okay, what are the things that I'm going to stop using? And then use the snowball technique. Dave Ramsey in his Financial Peace University talks about this. We're going to do this in January. Uh, you can... if. If you are already like, hey, I need that class, you can fill out your connection card and we'll get you on a list for that. The snowball technique says this. It's great. And I got to check my time. Okay. Uh, next, next service, can we put the clock up? Because I don't know where I'm at uh, on the time. I could go for hours. <laughs> but you can't. You can't. Here's the snowball technique. You pay off your smallest debt first. So you cut all non-essential spending, and then you take the smallest debt first, and you take all that money that you were spending on coffee or clothes or whatever it is, Netflix or Pandora account, whatever it is, and then you pour that into the smallest debt you have until it's paid off. And here's one of the things that's so great. You'll get an early win. 
you'll feel progress. And now you're no longer paying that. And so you take that money that you're paying for that and you shift it to your next smallest account. And then to the next smallest one. And like a snowball, it just begins to build steam and you'll be out of debt sooner than you could have imagined. And you have to, by the way, celebrate the wins along the way. You have to celebrate. Debt-free scream? <laughs> I like that. I like that. Well, you know what we're not going to celebrate by? Spending money you don't have. <laughs> I'm out of debt. Let's go get a car. That's it. <laughs> we laugh, but we do it. We laugh, but we do it. One of the ways that I want you to do it is by uh, a guy in our church, Glenn Hobbs, has created this um, uh, phone number account deal by stewarding the stories. And if you got your phone, I, I want you to take it out right now, put in this number into your text at 15207-AWAKENING. And here's one of the great ways to celebrate is to document, to write it down. We forget all the time. And so that you would text this. In fact, what I want you to text is just text get or help, and I'll give you uh, some directions on how to use it. But when you have a win, when, when, you, um, when you normally would have spent on something but you didn't, write it down. That's a celebration moment. Early on in ministry, uh, my wife said, Ryan, you know what you need? No. You need an I don't suck file. You know, ministry can be hard, and uh, there's a lot of people with a lot of opinions, and there's a lot of darts that come at you all the time, and there's certain days that you're doing pretty good, and there's other days that you're doing pretty bad, and you feel like you suck, and you just want to quit ministry, and in those moments, you know what you forget? You forget how God has shown up in the past, how he's been faithful, and the stories of life change that he has done, and all you can see is the pain or your own discouragement of the moment. And i got to tell you, getting out of debt's hard. It's going to take sacrifice. There's going to be some days where you're discouraged, and you have to steward the stories and write them down, text them, so that you can go back and go, no, no, no. God showed up. Thank you. i got to remember, celebrate the wins along the way. First thing we're going to do to build wealth that leaves a lasting legacy, we're going to get out of debt. Second thing we're going to do is we're going to save for a rainy day. This is perhaps one of the hardest ones. We're motivated to get out of debt. This one is difficult, and here's why. The law of incentive means I do what I'm incentivized to do. This one has no immediate incentive. It's delayed gratification. It's planning for future rain. How many of you have an umbrella? Just raise your hand. That's right. We live in California. It does not rain. <laughs> it is non-essential. <laughs> Save for a rainy day. Save for a rainy day. One person, Proverbs 13, 7, pretends to be rich, yet has nothing uh, that's the millennial dilemma right there. Uh, just unpacked every single millennial in our nation. One person pretends to be rich yet has nothing. Instagram is working against you on this, by the way. 
Because you're trying to put up a front for everyone else of what you wear, what you drive, where you go, travel, and dine. And another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. What I see with this generation is we want at 25 what it took the previous generation 25 years to get. Whoever loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and oil will also never be rich. We're going to save for a rainy day. Well, what is a rainy day? It's when life's hard. When trouble hits. I have an umbrella. You know why? Because once every five years, it rains in California. And I don't need it every day. But there are... One or two days, I need it. So I have an umbrella. I paid $9.99 for it at Home Depot. Why? Because it was raining and Home Depot had them. <laughs> Hard times will hit. It's not about if, it's when. Car breakdown, hospital, medical issue, appliance breaks down, you lose your job. And so we're going to save for a rainy day. We're going to build a three-month emergency fund. If you're in college or single, that's five to ten grand. If you're married or further on, or a homeowner, that's about anywhere from 30 to 50 grand. So how are we going to do it? We're going to repeat the debt game plan. We're going to take non-essential spending. Now, you might work into this a little bit of like I have a budgeted fund money. We'll talk about that next week. But you're going to take that and you're going to begin to save it, put it in a savings account or a money market account. Three months. Well, what's it doing? It's not making me a whole lot of money. No, but it's going to create a whole lot of peace. When Ryder was born, anybody know that that costs a lot of money to have a kid? (laughs) So we had Ryder, and the very night that Ryder was born, our HVA system in our house went out. Ryder's born in February in uh, Georgia, and it was a little bit cold. So not only did we have to pay for the pregnancy, now I had to pay five grand for a new HVA system. HVAC system, there you go. Because here's what happens when it rains. It pours, doesn't it? I remember my father-in-law, he gave us some of the best advice because I was just so torn up about this and so wrestling with it. And I was like, $5,000, I'm like, oh, I can't, oh. And you know what he said? It's just money. He's got a lot more than me. <laughs> so just pay it and forget about it. When those storms hit, now here's the thing. We had saved for a rainy day. It hurt, but I could pay it and forget about it. 78% of people say when a rainy day hits, they would put it on their credit card. And I can tell you time and time again, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. And it's in rainy day situations where so many people in America become enslaved. You lose your job. You didn't expect it. So we're going to build a three-month emergency fund. We're going to repeat the debt game plan. Number one priority, build up this fund. Use money that you're paying off debt to build it up and celebrate the wins. And here's, here's the deal. Do not touch. This isn't buy a new car fund. This isn't go on vacation fund. This is emergency fund. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get out of debt. We're going to save for a rainy day. Then we're going to invest for the future. 
I want you to write this down, this question down, and I want you to go away and wrestle with this question. Where do you want to be in 10 years? And really think about it. I know that's a, for some, that, that just feels so far away. You're not future-oriented. You're present or past-oriented. But where do you want to be in 10 years? Like, what kind of life do you want to be living? Where, if you're married, where do you want to be in your marriage? If you have kids, where are your kids going to be? If you're single, like 10 years from now, do you want to own a home, not own a home? Begin to, you know, dream with God. Bring him into the conversation. The wise store up choice food, Proverbs 20, 20 says, of oil, but fools, what? Gulp theirs down. 56% of Americans do not prepare for retirement by investing. Invest for the future, whether it's home ownership. Maybe it's paying for college. Maybe it's travel. Maybe it's to retire. Lazy hands make for poverty, but a diligent hands bring wealth. Now, what does this look like? First, how many like going on vacations? The rest of you are liars. So let me, let, me give you a, let me give you a help on this. Save for vacations. Don't put it on your credit card. Okay. If you want to go on a $5,000 vacation, save $100 a week. Now you have $5,200 after a year. Instead of putting it on your credit card and paying it off at 18 to 20%. Now, where some are wrestling with, well, what about the points with the credit card and all of that? I mean, come on. Where do you stand, Ingram? So here's my view on credit cards. And if you go through Dave Ramsey, he's completely anti-credit cards. I have this kind of tug-of-war because for most people, they cannot handle credit cards. Period. Like, you just get into debt. One of the great things my parents taught me, and Jenny and I have the same values, we've never been, had credit card debt. We've paid it off every single month. We are debt-free completely because of those, these principles, which gives us a lot of freedom. Now, I have a Capital One card that gives me twice the miles. And here's why. Because I pay it off every single month. I've never paid interest, period. Here's the way I view credit cards. It's kind of like alcohol. For some people, alcohol is completely fine. You don't have a problem with it. You don't have a family origin or history with it. And, and you can drink, and it doesn't become a controlling issue in your life or addiction. Others, you can't drink. You have an addiction problem. The minute you, it's not just like one sip. One sip leads to ten sips. And for many, that's what happens with your credit card. And you just go in, go in. This got quiet in here. Oh, my gosh. I have, the conviction level just went so up in this room. You guys are staring at me. Um, okay? I don't know where you're at on that. For some, you're able to leverage some of those benefits. Many, you cannot. The magic, you got to know, the magic of compounding interest, okay? This is really beautiful. Let me give you this. This is from Business Insider, and this is, so 20-year-olds in the room, I want you to pay big attention, big, big, big attention, because this is uh, incredibly important. At age 25, 
if you invested $300 a month uh, over the course from 25 to 65, you would have invested $144,000 at the end of that because of compounding interest. Now, let me explain what compounding interest, for those of you who don't know in the room, is you put a certain amount, $300 in the bank, and that first year, it gets interest. You leave that $300 in the bank, and the next year, the $300 plus the interest gets interest. You can leave that money in the bank, the $300 plus the interest plus the interest gets interest, right? And you just leave that money in the in investing, and it builds and builds and builds and begins to snowball in your favor. The credit card companies have figured it out, and they use it against you for their own gain. Now, listen to this. You will have, uh, have 400 uh, yeah, $460,000. Now, for those who at age 35 invest the same amount, you just lost 10 years. The total amount that you would have put in is 108000 and yet you'll only end up with about 55% of the investment, and it's just a 10-year difference at 251000 Now, those who are age 40 put $600 in, and you're going to invest from age 40 to 65, you'll have invested more, $180,000. That's $36,000 more than those who started at age 25, but you'll only end up with $359,000. Okay, if you're in your 20s, pay, pay, pay attention. Start today. Time is on your side, and it is not convenient It is delayed gratification, and yes, you can buy a new pair of shoes with that $100. But you will look up at the end of your life and look back with regrets. Most people carry a car note of $378 for their entire life. That same money invested at age 25, on average, would earn more than $4 million dollars. I don't know about you, but we could steward our money a whole lot better. Invest for the future, the magic of compounding numbers, and then automate to stay disciplined. I'm not very disciplined in this area. I am a spender, and it's really compulsive, just so you know, just like, and I'm a giver. I love to give. Like, it's so fun. And so I, I am... I am the most, like, impulsive person you'll know. I mean, like, I see it, I buy it. And so that's where the budget is so helpful because it helps me with my impulsiveness. But I'm not very disciplined on the saving side of things. And so you have to automate to stay disciplined. Just set it up where a direct withdrawal from your bank. If your company does a 401k and they do a matching, that's free money. Do it. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get out of debt, save for a rainy day, invest for the future. And finally, as we close, don't go alone. Don't go it alone. I just want to say something to married, and then I want to say something to singles, and we'll get out of here. Married, I want you to do this, and I want you to start this week if you're married. I want you to institute a weekly date in details. Now, because I don't like the finance side of things. And I'm not a big fan of calendar stuff. And the funny part about it is my wife doesn't really like that stuff either. It can be kind of problematic. In fact, we ran into it time and time again. uh, And as life got busier, we found that we had to become more intentional. 
And so we do a date in details. We don't do it quite as datey as we used to anymore. We used to go out and split a breakfast burrito in the mornings and talk through all this stuff. Now it's just straight business. And that's okay. But for some, you might need a date in details where, like, you make it fun. Where you go, you, you know, I, what Ryan was saying makes sense, but I wanted to shoot myself after that. Like, that just was... Like, that sounds awful. I don't ever want to do that. Well, make it fun. Make it fun. And here's the three big areas you want to talk about. Talk about your finances. Talk about your family. And talk about your future. Talk about your finances, your goals, the things that you're dreaming, the stuff that we're talking about. You're a team. Do finances together. It's not one person. And don't, give, don't give your spouse an allowance. That's bull. No, you, you, you don't want to have a little boy or a little girl that you're supporting. You want to have a man or a woman that you're married to. So do it together. Talk about your finances. Talk about your future. Talk about the calendar. Get it out. We have to do this because, you know, as when you have three kids and the school age and you have, you know, multiple things going on and activities and sports, we, just, we have to lock in. My wife's got a chalkboard calendar that's just the, the days of the week. And that's like our law for the week of what we have going on. Married, institute a weekly date and details. Don't go it alone. Do it together. Single. If you're single, listen to me. This is so important. It's not one day, and it's not someday. Start today. Start today. What are you going to start today? Well, one, you're going to get an accountability partner. Teamwork makes the dream work. Come on. (laughs) Don't go it alone. Because here's the thing, and most marrieds, we've forgotten this. If you're single, you experience time, poverty, and fatigue. Marrieds, we, we can, you know, we can delegate. Hey, you get the dry cleaning, and I'll go pick up the groceries. Singles, you got to do it all. Okay, we recognize that. You have busy lives. I get that. Time is on your side. Get an accounting partner and begin to apply these principles together. How do you build wealth to leave a lasting legacy We're going to address the toxic beliefs that's keeping us stuck. We have to embrace the long-term view. It's not just about you, and it's not just about now. And apply the four practices. Get out of debt, save for a rainy day, invest for the future, and don't go it alone. Would you stand with me and we'll close. I want, I want you to do this this week. In your missional community, take these notes and talk about them. Take these notes and talk about them. Just honestly. You don't have to go it alone. That's the reason we have missional communities. On the back sheet, you'll notice that I gave you simple notes, and some of you are trying to scribble all that in. If you want the fuller slides, you can email me. I'll, I'll email them back to you. On the back sheet... Is, remember last week, follow your money? I now gave you a, a form to do that. That's going to set you up for building out a budget next week. Okay? Do it. Fill it out. And by the way, 
you will spend less just by tracking your money. People lose weight, by the way, without even changing their diet just by writing down what they eat. Over and over again, the same is true with our finances. You're going like, I don't know what I can cut. And you just start tracking. You're going like, oh, Lord, I'm going to cut that. <laughs> Remember, God, God doesn't give us more to raise our standard of living, but to raise our standard of giving. Happy or blessed are those who give and not receive. And so may you go from this place and just with an eye on others, with an eye on others around you of how you can be a blessing to them. I, just, I don't know who you're going to run across this week, but that you would just have that mentality, that perspective. Hey, I'm already rich. I may not be acting rich, but I'm already rich. And so how can I be a blessing to those around me? In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.